Welcome to CooperCast. This is your host, Al's web dude, John Sachs. In this episode, Al talks about his upcoming box set of demo recordings and takes us to Miami to meet guitar whiz Little Beaver for the story of a very cool demo. By the way, when Al says he can't bear to make public his Dylan period, he's talking about a time when he sang in coffee houses in a Dylan-esque fashion, not his time playing with Bob. Enjoy the episode. I had been going through my files. I discovered I had an incredible amount of unreleased material laying around the house. And so two or three years ago, I had talked to Omnivore, label in L.A., about putting out something. And the uh, owner flew out here and spent uh, two or three days with me listening to everything that I had. And they were amazed and happy. So, and she said, well, I have a, a, a partner now. I think you two will get along very well. And so I sent him a bunch of songs like, you know, over 70. And he totally got it. And he was, uh, he understood why I was doing it. Because this stuff has just been laying around the house since the beginning of my career. And at some point I transferred it to the computer. There it was. My working title is Unreleased. I'm working with them now and trying to see if it'll be four CDs or two CDs or three CDs or like that. But I think with modern technology, I think I can get everything to sound really good. The performances are, are really good, which is why I wanted to put it out. When I moved to Boston, which was in 1997, I built a studio in the basement and I just started working there. And before that, I had studios wherever I lived. In, in Atlanta, I bought into a really good studio and that's where I had my label, Sounds of the South and Leonard Skinner and all that stuff. I have a lot of really good stuff that was recorded there. And then once I set up the studio here, I built up a lot of stuff. And then I found all the stuff from the beginning of my career when I was uh, just a songwriter, demos and stuff like that. And there's a fantastic demo of this diamond ring because when we originally wrote the song, we wrote it for the Drifters, an R&B group. And I had uh, one of my friends sing the demo, and he was a fantastic singer. He's no longer with us. His name is uh, Jimmy Radcliffe. And some of, my, some of my best demos are with him singing at that time period. And he was also a songwriter, and he worked at the same publishing company that I did. So, you know, when me and the two guys I wrote with were in a room writing, he was like two doors down with the guy that he wrote with. And so, you know, we smoked some pot like that. We all had a good time. We all wrote great songs. And I always asked uh, Jimmy to sing the songs that we wrote that were R&B, rhythm and blues. And he did. And I have four sensational demos of him singing these songs. But the best one is this diamond ring. And the drifters turned it down. And I couldn't understand it because the demo was so good. So I think it'd be great for people to hear the original demo because I didn't understand the Gary Lewis record. There is a an evolution of, I mean, there's things that are too embarrassing to put on, such as my my Bob Dylan period. I can't do that. 
You've got 1650 demos. Those are my least favorite, but they're important uh, history-wise. And then little by little, the demos get better. And there's just all these songs. And once I left New York, I think the first place I moved to was Atlanta. I started uh, a record company there. And I had a great studio to work in that I shared with another producer named Buddy Bowie, who is now deceased. And he recorded um, the Atlanta Rhythm Section. He did all those records. And he produced a, a lot of people. I think Tommy Rowe, a lot of people in that time period. And he was a wonderful guy, and we got along really well to the point where I, I bought into the studio. Well, there's all kinds of things. And in Atlanta, I have this great track with, uh, there was this guitar player I was crazy about named Little Beaver. He was from Florida. And I once went, this is a good story. So I heard this record on the radio and the guitar playing floored me. It was a, it was a rhythm and blues record. I was in my car and I heard it and I drove into the black part of town where there was a really good uh, record store to get that sort of music. And I had to stop the car when the record came on because it was so amazing. And it was Clean Up Woman by Betty Wright. And so I was able to buy it at the store. And it had the address of the record company on the label. So two days later, <laughs> I got on a plane and flew down to the address on the label in, from uh, where did I live? I lived in L.A. And so I flew from L.A. to Miami. And I got out of the cab and walked into this place. And I thought I'd, I'd made a mistake. It did not look like there was music business going on. And I said, oh, man. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw some guy I knew when I had been in the Royal Teens, when I played those shows. And this guy was a, a solo singer who was on those shows. So I, I knew him from those days. But it had been a really long time since I'd seen him. And I went, Steve? And he looked at me and he said, Al? And it was this great moment. It was fantastic. And he said, what are you doing here? I said, what are you doing here? He said, I run this place. I said, oh, that's so good. I said, I came here because I heard Clean Up Woman on the radio yesterday. And I pulled my car off the road. It was so good. And I bought the single and had this address on the label. And so I got on a plane and came here. I didn't know you were here, but I just wanted to meet the guitar player that played on that record. He said, I can do that for you right now. And he took me into the bowels of this place and and in a room was this guitar player who was known as Little Beaver. And, and he was just in there practicing. And so he told Little Beaver why I had come there. And he said, Little Beaver said, oh, oh did you want to learn how to play that stuff? I said, as a matter of fact, yeah. He says, well, I have another guitar here. Sit down and let me show you some stuff. And I went, this is unbelievable. This is my greatest fantasy come true. And we sat there for two or three hours. And it was up to that point, the most unforgettable <laughs> hours in my life musically. And he was he was such a great guitar player. If you appreciate that kind of guitar playing, which I definitely do. I think he was five years older than me. And I just checked with um, Steve 
recently, Steve Lamo, and they're both still alive, which is wonderful. But they're in Florida. So this began a very wonderful friendship between uh, Steve and myself and Beaver. And I went I went down there, and the first thing that happened was uh, Betty Wright, who sang Clean Up Woman, recorded one of my songs, which I couldn't believe was happening to me. And then I started bringing sessions there so that I could record with their band. I signed an artist. His name was Freddie Henry. And I did a, a whole album with him. And I did about half of it there and half in Los Angeles. Steve Lamo and I became very good friends, which we still are. I ended up playing as many sessions as I could with Beaver. If he was on the road with his band and he was anywhere near Atlanta, I'd have them come in and I'd record them. And so I just found one of the tracks that we did, uh, which was uh, a little Beaver song called Joey. And I played keyboards on it. And I sang it and it never came out. So it's one of the most wonderful things that'll be on this set. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking to put on this box. And then I think we cut another song that same day. And I have that as well. It was a a cover of uh, the stylistic song, You Are Everything, Everything Is You, which I also loved. And he he played such great guitar on it. It's like the whole time I was thinking, who's going to listen? to me on this the guitar playing is sensational so it was so i just really enjoyed it the two guys he played with were also great and great people and so it was a wonderful situation and the guy that that actually owned the label i think his name was henry stone he was a big distributor in that area and he was totally into R&B music. And there were people, everybody in the R&B music business knew who he was because if you wanted anything done in that area in terms of uh, record promotion or anything to happen in Florida, you had to do it through Henry Stone. So consistently, I'd go in there and once James Brown was there and other other really big R&B stars all the time. And so that was a great environment for me to be in. Well, I have, um, from the time that I started having building studios in my house, wherever I lived, I have all the stuff that I cut there, which is primarily me playing all the instruments. And, and as the technology got better, I could play more instruments. The first thing that happened is you could, you could play drums. If you were just pushing buttons. And, uh, and so I learned how to do that. And that saved me a lot of time and trouble. And so I made uncountable amount of tracks in my various houses. I'd write the song and then I'd go down and record it, play all the parts, because I always had a studio in the house. This has been CooperCast, the demo box set episode. Look for more episodes coming up.